This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. The story that is now national started as, well, clickbait. A pastor and a mayor in a very small town is exposed as an online drag queen. The story ends in his suicide. So still, as tragic as that is, why is it a national story? Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion, author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Is this a valid news story, and did the coverage itself cause the tragedy that eventually became the story? Let's take the first question first, and let's word it, because I think you just added something to the mix in your introduction. So let's rephrase that first question and say, was this a valid story? And then ask, why was it a national story? story. Because whether or not it's a valid story is something that could be factored on local realities. So I would argue that this was a valid local story. The question of whether it is a valid national story, I think, gets us more quickly into what a lot of our listeners are probably thinking. They're probably thinking, well, you know, journalists, all they want to do is sell newspapers. And the clickbait element of this story as a national story simply cannot be denied. And frankly, as the old saying goes, that makes me want to go take a shower. But when you look at this from the viewpoint of certain national websites or something, try to imagine journalists resisting Southern Baptist pastor and Alabama mayor, comma, with some ties to Donald Trump, comma, commit suicide after being outed as cross-dresser and author of trans porn. Now, that's too long a headline, but I think you get the idea what are the elements of this story that make it clickbait at the national level? So let's go back to the issue of whether it's a valid local story. And if that's the case, can we answer at this moment, did the publication of the original story cause the suicide? And I don't think we can answer that question factually because there are other things that happened. In other words, the suicide, if there's one story that gets into the details of kind of how he died and when he died. And it does seem that if you look at the sequence of events, that local officials began investigating some of the charges that were made against this man by women who claim that he used their names or their personalities or even images of them in social media materials without their permission. So 
at this point, forget Baptist pastor for a moment. At this point, we have a public official, clearly a public official, a mayor, being accused of something that to one degree or another is illegal. The local police have conversations with him about it. They know he's angry. They know he's upset about the original report. And there are elements of that original report we can discuss here in a, in a little while, where it came from and why, or if we know that. But it's definite that there were conversations between the mayor and police officials who were his close friends, and they wanted to talk to him about these allegations, and they began trying to find him. They went to a marketplace where he was known to hang out a lot, and then they began driving around, and they encountered him like just driving in his car out on a country road, and they began to follow him and trying just simply wanting to ask him some questions about the allegations, and they turned on their lights, pursuit lights on the top of their car, and he pulled over, got out of the car, pulled a gun, and killed himself. So I think it's safe to say that the act of the suicide was linked to the fact that police were investigating some of the charges made against him. So that's a long answer, but I don't think we can know the role the media played in that, unless you want to say, well, the media report is what alerted the public officials to the accusations against him. Should the independent conservative website, 1819 in Alabama, conservative website, should they have held the story? They did the responsible thing. They called him up. They called the mayor up. They called Bubba Copeland up. And they talked to him. They confirmed certain facts about the story. They confirmed that this was a habit of his, cross-dressing, but that he had never done any solicitation or done anything legal. And did they ask him about the charges by two local women that their images were used? We don't know. I don't think we know the sequence of that, or at least I don't know based on the coverage that I've read. You can also ask the question, should they have gone to the man's church? Now remember at this point, the Southern Baptist Convention is in the midst of a nationwide debate about sexual abuse by pastors and other people who work for the church. And you say, well, no one's alleging he abused someone. Well, I think the publishing of online pornography in which you use the names and the faces of real women. And apparently one of these stories seemed to have a plot line that he killed one of these women and took her place in society. So I think, yes, the church had a right to know as well. And he got up and made a presentation on Sunday night after the story 
ran in which he kind of apologized to the congregation and said, I'm being attacked online, please pray for me, etc. So you've got this unfolding over about four days or so. So it wasn't just like the thing went up, he committed suicide. The thing went up, people began asking legal questions as well as questions about his role as a pastor. These questions began being discussed. Subsequent details were added. Women made accusations against him. The police began to investigate that in attempting to talk to him face to face. He pulls a gun and commits suicide. Does that help to lay it out that way? So that second question, does the coverage cause the tragedy? Because this is really more than one story. It's a story initially broken, the clickbait story. Yeah. And then as people dig into it, it gets spiced up with at least one photograph with him when President Trump at the time right, was right. visiting the area after tornado, right. after a tornado. That gives it an extra appeal. And then we have the subsequent suicide after the coverage. Right. Did the coverage cause the second half of this story? Well, I do think we have to ask the first question. We're really asking a journalism question. At what point do you publish? Now, they did call him. He was not blindsided. They did raise serious issues about the conduct, and i, I got to stress this because this is a legal issue. Whether or not a man is a legally a public figure because he's a Baptist pastor, that's a question that people will debate in media ethics. Whether or not he's a public figure because he's a mayor, there's no question about that. So the initial report is, whatever the motive, a blind side, well, they did call him. They allowed him to tell his side of the story. And that initial report does not seem to have caused the suicide, in my opinion. Now, we do not know. Would he have committed suicide in the future if coverage had continued? Those are what ifs. What we know is a story was published by a conservative alternative news website. That led to discussions, that led to further coverage, and a public official was accused of activity that had potentially legal consequences. And when police began investigating and went to face him face to face, he pulled a gun and committed suicide. So the clickbait at the national level, I think, is just, gosh, a sign of where we are as a culture and as a society. And the Daily Mail has a lot, which is one of the national outlets that took this whole thing up another level. The Daily Mail does come to some degree out of the British tabloid newspaper world. And I think their editors would own up to that and claim it. But at the same time, even the Daily Mail could say, this is a public official accused of misconduct and potentially crimes. That's a valid story. To some degree in my mind, I'm separating 
the local coverage of a public official versus the tabloid style, horrible pictures, scandal headlines, drawing the pastor angle into it really big because he's now he's now he's a hypocrite, etc. His wife, by the way, knew of his habit, he said, and knew that he was not, to her knowledge, he wasn't doing anything public or illegal. Now, that's a whole other complication. But do you see the point I'm making separating the local story from the national clickbait? Yeah, what element, of those elements that you described, pastor, public official, Donald Trump, and then, of course, the clickbait value, which one of those could you remove, and it's purely a local story? You have to remove the suicide. If it's a local story that's being investigated and it's being handed at the local level and the man is talking to officials and discussing the accusations and that's that, the Southern Baptist pastor angle in the headline might get you some clickbait, but when you add a suicide and the pictures of Trump, that cranks it up another notch. So, Terry, the coverage itself, since it kind of got knocked up to CNN and NBC and, and the big news outlets, how's the quality been? I mean, you could just recite the facts in bullet point fashion, and you've already got people's interest. Frankly, I think the coverage outside of, say, like I said, the tabloid elements of this and some of the headlines. When you look at the a New York Post headline like Alabama Preacher FL Buddy Copeland kills himself after being outed as transgender curvy girl, unquote, a phrase that he had used to describe himself. Now, see, there's Alabama preacher with no mention of him being a mayor. Now, that gets covered in the story. So there was some clickbait element in some of the headlines. What I think is also interesting is the degree to which some national stories, the story at National Public Radio, for example. Yeah, I mean, picture this is a this isn't a natural national public radio story, is it? To some degree, the fact that the story was broken by an alternative conservative site gave some people just a hint of being able to say, this is a bunch of hypocritical conservatives persecuting an alternative sexual identity. So it was just a hint of that in the story as well at the national level. But I'll tell you, when I walk through the coverage in the Alabama paper itself, you have strong quotes from him talking about his mistake in his life, and you've got coverage of the church having prayer meetings to pray for him after his law, after his death. You have some of the things you would expect in coverage, but also I think the fact that you have this we, we did get a timeline established of when he did this and what role the investigation played in his decision. And frankly, some of that was done in a follow-up story by 1819news.com, the alternative website. And they, they followed up again on the some of the women who were making accusations against him and why. So I'm not faulting the local coverage. I'm uncomfortable 
about the degree to which this became a national clickbait situation because of the various things you can jam into this headline and make it kind of spectacular or tawdry or whatever. It's a tabloid story when you take it at the national level. At the local level, it's a story of accusations against a public official that lead to a tragic outcome when the police begin to investigate. Doesn't that sequence of, war of facts sound radically different than that New York Post headline I read a second ago? So let's just flip the script and say that this story was about a female Episcopal priest who was the mayor of this small Alabama town and committed suicide after being outed for praying outside a Planned Parenthood clinic, being adamantly pro-life, secretly pro-life. Does the story get national news coverage? Secretly pro-life. I'm not sure that part of your sequence holds up if you stop and think about it, but I, I'm going to concede your point here. No, this does not get national attention. Even if she marched with Joe Biden or marched with a Democratic senator candidate or something like that, I don't think this gets the same national coverage. And let's put the shoe on the other foot. It's not going to get the conservative newspaper tabloid coverage because the New York Times and NPR and these others don't think of themselves as tabloid journalism that's pitching a story to blue-collar America who tends to look at things in the tabloid rack stereotypically as they are checking out at the grocery store. So, no, I don't think this goes national to the same degree if you turned the images around and had an Episcopal priest involved in this. I mean, for Pete's sake, we've had books come out and things about horrible, horrible sexual abuse and accusations and even recognized factual things about the lives of some major national figures on the religious left, one of them being a very famous bishop in New York City that didn't draw much national coverage out of, like, say, a, you know, a major essay in the New Yorker or Atlantic. The left just doesn't seem to end up being tabloid country, does it? Tabloid tends to be Alabama, not New York. What would happen if it was a African-American Pentecostal pastor in New York City? Would that go tabloid? Yes, I, once again, I think that would go tabloid. There's a lot of things here that we're speculating about. What I want listeners to really stop and think about is, was the local coverage of this issue valid? And I would say the coverage of the accusations against him, and there was no way to mention the accusations against him without getting into the online cross-dressing persona and the online porn that went with it. And the online porn apparently is just fictions, no images or anything. It's just fiction. It's words. But the local story, I don't think there's any way out of the fact that it's valid. The other thing about a story like this is, and especially when it ends tragically in suicide, is it's kind of a one-off story. There's very little follow-up 
on a story like this. Should that also inform the editors or whoever's making the decisions as to whether this should run? If it's just kind of literally clickbait, you read it, you think about it for a minute, Hmm. and then you forget it and move on to something else. Well, I think this story is going to continue, and not just because of the angle of a grieving church, a grieving community. This man was quite beloved in his community and did a lot of wonderful things in his community to serve it. So that's an ongoing story at the local level. We do have the fact that I think we can expect coverage of what happens to the accusations. And if they end up saying, we were not able to clear him, these accusations are real. I think, once again, that's a local story involving accusations against a public official. And that's valid, and I think you can expect that to continue. But will we see national coverage of the outcome of those investigations? No. I don't think so. I think the interest at the national level is the headline, is the tabloid nature of the story itself. In dealing with this, I had a a dialogue with a a colleague of mine, a former Get Religion writer, Mark Kellner. He's back in a position he's held before, which is religion writer for the Washington Times. And Mark and I had a discussion of this back and forth. And to some degree, he didn't want to cover this story, and he was glad he didn't cover this story at the national level. And along the way, we got into a discussion of, can you expect journalists, local journalists or national journalists, local, let's say in this case, can we expect them to follow what some people would call a biblical process for sin, repentance, and forgiveness? Should they have waited until the very end, found out what happened with this, and see if he repented and then write the story? Apply kind of a New Testament template for how you handle this within a church. Now, if this is accusations against a Baptist pastor, I think to some degree I would argue that yes, yes, reporters should have asked these questions two people in the congregation, see how they responded, see how the man responded, and lacking criminal intent, I think you do wait and hold that story until you find out what's going to happen and what's going to be done about whether or not this was abusive or something else. The public official with potential legal charges against him No, I don't think we can expect a a local politics or police and crime reporter to kind of follow a more forgiving, slow, deliberate New Testament approach on figuring out how this is all going to end up. To the degree that it was handled, how was the religion angle addressed in the media coverage? Almost none, other than the fact that this was a man who was not a seminary-trained pastor. This is a man who was a local businessman and public official who stepped in as the pastor of a small local church. I presume, I don't think we have a number of members mentioned at some point. And to what degree he was asked about his own behavior and whether he thought it was sinful, he seemed to be more defensive in the original reports. And he said, I didn't do anything wrong. 
I didn't solicit, I didn't do anything publicly that constituted illegal activity, and my wife knew about it, kind of leave me alone. But he did at least get up in front of his church and said, I'm being accused of things online, please pray for me and help me. Will there be coverage of the funeral? I expect there will be some. In the content talking to people in the church, you have people saying, he was my friend, he was a good man, I trusted him, and one person says, I have no doubt that he's in heaven right now because I knew the status of his faith. Whatever he was wrestling with, I knew him as a man of faith. So you have some of that kind of language entering into the local coverage as well. National coverage? I don't expect to see that handled again at the national level. With about a minute or so, why? It doesn't fit into the tabloid angle. Could I see the New York Post covering the funeral and having a lot of religious language in the funeral story? Yes, I could, and I think that would be valid. Would the Daily Mail follow up on that? I don't know. This is still happening this week. We'll have to see what happens to the story at that point. But the religion angle of the story is part of what makes it a tragedy. The public official angle and the accusations is what drove the original local coverage that started these dominoes falling. So to some degree, we kind of have to separate those two things in our minds. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.